Welcome to the Teach Strong Talks podcast. My name's Sam. I'm a primary school teacher on a mission to help school staff discover truly effective approaches to well-being. This podcast is all about tapping into the knowledge and experience of real experts who can break down the research and the tools that we can apply to our everyday lives to feel happier and healthier. Today on the podcast, I chat to Sophie Smith-Tong. Sophie is a primary school teacher and the founder of Mindfulness for Learning, the wellbeing centre for educators and family. And she's also a children's yoga teacher and a podcast host herself. During the episode, we talk about the power of mindfulness. We cover what mindfulness is, what it looks like to be more mindful during our day, the effects that we can experience, and offer tips to anyone looking to get started. Enjoy the show. So hello, Sophie, and welcome welcome to the Teach Strong Talks podcast. Hello, thank you for having me here today. No, no, thank you so much for joining me, for giving up your, your time on this Friday morning. Um, really, really pleased to, to have you on the show to find out a little bit more about what you do and to chat about mindfulness and meditation. So why don't we start um, just so listeners can get an idea of your background and your role at the moment. Could you tell us a little bit about what you do? Yeah, sure. I mean, um, in terms of my background, I, I, I won't start right at the beginning. It'll take a really <laughs> long time. Um, I'm fairly new to the mental health and wellbeing world, really. Um, I was uh, I trained to be a teacher at 26, um, about about 12 years ago, giving away my age there, um, and uh, came came across wellbeing really when my my children were born, um, and I became more in touch with. I think for them, I wanted, obviously, we all want our children to be happy and thriving. And I started to be more mindful about that. And so when I went back to work after maternity leave, it's something I became really aware that was lacking in provision in the school that I was working in and actually noticed a lot of of children struggling with anxiety and depression and families and and teachers as well. As we know, it's it's a big problem. Um, And so I started uh, to respond to that by speaking to the senior leadership team and asking what I could do. And this was before mental health leads kind of came on into the picture, really. Um, but that's basically the job I began to do. I started to look at mental health across the school and so started to go on lots of training um, and and signed up for the course that I did with the Mindfulness in Schools project, which was the DOT Foundations course. So it's the course that you do before you start to learn to teach it to children. You have to learn to do it yourself. Um, and, and that was with Claire Kelly who is wonderful and she works for the Oxford Mindfulness Centre and she was truly inspirational and I never looked back um, and it changed my life. Uh, following that, I, I just c- continued to develop working with families and, and schools in terms of well-being, but also with a particular focus on mindfulness, um, which kind of brings me where I am today. Um, and I created Mindfulness for Learning really to, to take mindfulness out to the masses um, and also show that it's not it's not about sitting cross-legged it's mm-hmm. it's a lifestyle choice and it and it comes into every part of our life so when I created mindfulness for learning everyone was like oh you're going to be doing lots of mindfulness practices and yes we do offer mindfulness practices and I help a lot of parents teachers and children learn mindfulness but it's about mindful living really um, and this is why my our mindfulness for learning covers so many different areas because there's so many different areas that wellbeing comes into. So we look at things like online safety, um, and we look at um, gender inequality, all the things that affect our day to day wellbeing. 
So in terms of what my week might look like, it's very different every week, which is kind of the way I like it. Mm -hmm. I'm um, I'm somebody who who struggles a bit with routine actually, and um, so it's it's very different every week. So for instance, last week I was um, I collaborated with Meta and we delivered a um, an online safety webinar to to people worldwide. Or and this week's kind of a little bit quieter. I've been working with parents one to one, um, and I've been doing some yoga with some children. Um, and then I'm doing this podcast. So it, it's kind of different. The one thing that's the same every week is that I volunteer in a primary school on a Monday to Wednesday. So I always go in and, and just help out wherever they need me, whether that's taking a class because a teacher's sick or just being a TA for a day. So that's the constant. Oh, wow. Very, very, very varied. And it sounds exciting. Um, yeah, there's, there's some of the some activities that I'd love to be getting involved more in as well. Brilliant. Bringing yeah, mindfulness. Yeah, yeah. Bringing mindfulness out there to the masses, like you said. Um, and it's funny that you mentioned to get across that message that mindfulness isn't necessarily sitting cross-legged because that's one of the notes I have right in front of me to talk about that when we talk about mindfulness practices, um, let's have a little chat about that, that it doesn't have to be eyes closed under um you know some huge tree out in the open you know these pictures that you see everyone's in the lotus position with the yoga mudras like this aren't they and it's like that's yeah. the, you know of course that is a version of mindfulness meditation but that that's not necessarily mindfulness <laughs> yeah absolutely i think it's really important you know it, it, otherwise people can feel quite cynical about it and, it, yeah. and also it creates this feeling that it's just for a certain set of people yeah. I mean for anyone that knew me growing up or even my 20s you know mindfulness wouldn't uh, you know if somebody said that to me I probably would have rolled my eyes um, I really really wasn't kind of into that kind of thing or at least what I thought it was and so I think it's really important we make it accessible to everybody because it really can help Mm. Um, and and it's usually, unfortunately, the people who need it most that maybe feel that it's not for them. And and that's not to say it is for everybody, but I think it's uh, important that we give everybody the opportunity to try it at least. So carrying on from that, why don't, well, perhaps you could give us a definition, Sophie, of well, what is mindfulness? What does mindfulness mean to you? And if you can maybe speak to that overlap between the terms meditation and mindfulness, because sometimes they're used kind of interchangeably, aren't they? But, but of course there is an overlap, but what do we mean by mindfulness and what do we mean by meditation? Yeah, I actually asked this question when I, when I launched Mindfulness for Learning, I created a short video, which can be found on the website. And I asked lots of different people what they thought mindfulness was. And it, it was actually really heartwarming to see the, the varied responses because it means different things to different people. But mm. in, in simple terms, I think I really like um, uh, Mark Williams and Danny Penman, who, who wrote the book um, Finding Peace in a Frantic World. Uh, that mindfulness is simply um, a method of mental training. Um, and I think really it's, it's the ability, you know, a lot of people might think it's clearing the mind, but that's never going to happen and actually feel like failures when they, do, they can't do it. But, but actually mindfulness is, is noticing, accepting and, and showing self-compassion and empathy. Um, it, it gives you the ability to, to, to use that skill um, in everything you do. In terms of the difference between mindfulness and meditation, I would say meditation is much more of the practice and the skill. Mindfulness is a way of life. It's it's a, it's a, the way that we live, um, and and I do think that uh, for many people, mindfulness that the word mindfulness just seems a little bit more gentle and a li little bit more accessible than the word meditation, um, although that is very much a part of it. Yeah, 
Uh, beautifully put, and I, I completely agree. And that that is aligns with my understanding of the two terms as well. Um, I'm really glad that you brought up that point about that perhaps sometimes when people try mindfulness, they think it's about blocking out thoughts. And then mm. as um, you know, a previous guest on the podcast, Duncan Gillard said, good luck if you're trying to bo- bo- uh, block out your thoughts, because it's just not going to happen, is it? We can't no. block out our thoughts. It's not about that. It's about accepting the thoughts that, that come along. And, you know, you can either go along with that thought and, and see where it takes you, or you can have that, well, there's that underlying awareness of a thought that a thought is a thought and you can either let it go or you can uh, t- be taken away with it kind of thing. Yeah, um, I actually think mindfulness can be really uncomfortable sometimes. Um, yeah, yeah. And, and it's not always a pleasurable experience because what you're feeling and thinking isn't always going to be good. Wouldn't it be lovely if we could clear the mind? That would be mm. wonderful. Maybe not all the time, but, um, you know, this idea that it's going to be a pleasurable pra- practice all the time is it, wrong, really. It it's, can be really uncomfortable if you're going through some kind of trauma or difficulty, stopping and taking uh, taking stock of that and, and um, trying to invite that in when you're ready can be a really difficult practice. Yeah, yeah. But it's like you said, that self-compassion piece about realising that, yes, this is a, this is a, a tough time and I'm experiencing um, difficult thoughts at the moment and, and accepting that, that that's the situation at the moment yeah then, actually someone said to me once that um I really liked this idea of it, it changed my my way of, of approaching mindfulness in that um they told me to imagine my feelings and emotions that I came across in mindfulness like a newborn child and to cradle mm. them and and I do actually visualize that now if I'm going through some kind of difficulty um or, or, or struggling with a certain emotion imagining holding that is is a really lovely warm way to be with mm. yourself really shows some lovely self-compassion yeah interesting I haven't heard it put like that mm. interesting um and then the, the other point that you mentioned about the, the difference between mindfulness and meditation and how uh, mindfulness is this uh, this approach to life, isn't it, that we can have th- throughout the day, not just when we're sat down with, still with our eyes closed. So I think that's a really important point to make. But of course, mindfulness meditation is a practice where you you set aside a time and you sit down and, and, and that's what you're doing and you are mm. perhaps focusing on your breath or a or a visualization or music or whatever it is and so that is where you are being mindful during meditation but like you said mindfulness can is a thread that can run throughout our day isn't it my understanding of mindfulness is it's this um a non-judgmental awareness of the present moment that's how i've heard it put and, Mm. and of course we can be um reminding ourselves or being mindful throughout the day when we wash up the dishes when we're walking through the park um when we're eating all these opportunities for mindfulness throughout the day to bring us back into the present moment because well i think we're so often lost aren't we we're, we're, we are thinking about the future and worrying about the future or perhaps we are ruminating over thoughts of the past I don't know does it, did any of that kind of resonate with you and do you agree yeah absolutely <laughs> and I think life today you know not to say it wasn't difficult in the past they had their own difficulties but we are bombarded with things left right and center even when we go out for a walk you know there's there's constantly a coffee shop that you could stop off in and have you know <laughs> eat and enjoy food or a coffee there's this you know in terms of our senses we're overloaded um, and we yeah. find it really hard to stop and 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 to take in that moment and i certainly before i found mindfulness wouldn't have i i just i think back to my 20s and i can't really 
obviously remember stopping and thinking how do I feel or why am I feeling like this why am I aching in that part of my body or I just wasn't Mm -hmm. in tune and although it is now part of my life and it's a lifestyle you almost have to go through you have to learn how to do it first before you are able to implement it and thread it through your day and that's why your practice Mm -hmm. changes so much through time because you to begin with it's it feels very unnatural and it, it, it you know it takes a while to find your own practice um and then um, once you have you have gone through that that development of your own practice you can really start to play with it and and put it into different parts of your day it doesn't necessarily have to take up a whole hour of your morning you don't have to get up at 5am and meditate although that's wonderful mm-hmm. um, and i have done that before mm-hmm. and it worked for me in that point in my life but it's it's all about being flexible and, and and you know life changes all the time we need to be flexible and we need to not beat ourselves up if we don't keep a routine for 6 months it's going to change um, yeah. So, yeah, your practice will evolve all the time. I think that's such a good point to make. And, yeah, because we can see what someone else is doing, perhaps one of our friends or a social media influencer, and think, right, that's what I want to do. And, and often we can try it, and for a few weeks we can really get along with it. But then maybe, you know, the kind of the cracks start to appear, and, oh, no, it just doesn't quite fit in with my lifestyle. And so, like you said, being adaptable and flexible with it is a really important point. And I think what what you said previously about how a few years ago a mindfulness practice just wasn't on your radar and and I was exactly the same would have been skeptical about it you know what's the point it seems like a waste of time mm. but it's only when you start to to try it and have that practice whether it's just for a couple of minutes in the morning and you start to to notice some differences don't you and mm. i think those those little dipping your toes in it some of the things can be mindful eating or a mindful hot drink or a mindful walk in the park and I love the fact that you mentioned um you you said about um being bombarded with with with, um the the different stimuli and and the Mm. fact that you can walk past a a coffee shop and you know you know you're 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 then taken away to the thoughts about grabbing a nice coffee and then Mm. that makes me think that one of the first ways I started to I suppose get into mindfulness um was just those little points about when you can incorporate it incorporate it into your day and one point that was mentioned was you know when you're sitting down for a coffee with your friend and the friend goes up to the toilet our first reaction is get out the phone isn't it check check instagram check twitter what's going on on facebook and 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 this person said to me well that's one of your opportunities to to try mindfulness Mm. because you could just sit there and carry on enjoying the coffee and not try to distract yourself with what other people are doing or making plans for the future or looking back at photos from the past, just be there. And he, you know, he put a really like funny spin on it because it's, it's kind of, you know, you're in a coffee shop enjoying a coffee and you, you feel awkward about just sitting there and enjoying the mm-hmm. coffee. Like people would be looking over at you going, what's that weirdo doing? Like he's not checking his phone. He's not got a book. He's just sat there with his coffee. It was like, well, yeah, I'm in a coffee shop. Why can't I just yeah. sit there and enjoy my coffee? I think that is kind of the the essence of mindfulness. So, so I, I went off on a bit of a, a tangent. Yeah, no, absolutely. Sophie, <laughs> and it's, it's, it's so hard though, isn't it, to do that? Yes. You know, I, yeah. there's several times we go through, through phases in our lives where we try really hard to make changes, especially in terms of technology use. You know, I'll, ha- I'll go through mm. phases where, right, I'm leaving my phone out in the kitchen when I go to bed and then that cha- that changes and slowly it creeps back in. Yeah. And, and the, you know, part of mindfulness is, they're checking back in and going, oh, that's crept back into my life. And that actually wasn't 
bringing joy to my life that was bringing stress mm -hmm. because when I wake up in the morning the first thing I do is go through the news and that's you know bombarding my brain first thing in the morning so it's you know part of mindfulness long term is to check in and think right is this working for me anymore yeah. um no it's not let's let's make some changes and that's a constant journey that's a lifelong journey yeah yeah is that checking the phone is it serving any purpose is it serving you and and, and helping you become better and, and calmer mm. and happier really really yeah absolutely um and then like you mentioned before about when you do realize that having the self-compassion to not beat yourself up and oh one idiot i've fallen into that habit again god you're so god look at you you failed again <laughs> it's it's yeah. not about that is it it's just going okay yeah so i, I started doing this again um where what what do I want to change about this? Um, and yeah. you know, do I want to take up a more a more useful habit instead? Yeah, thinking of ourselves as we would our friends. You know, if, if yes, I, it was recently that I I I tried to bring in, like I was saying, an hour practice before I was waking up in the morning because for me, it, it, I was in, I was in a in a, a tricky spot. I was finding some things difficult, and I thought, right, I think I need to inject a bit more mindfulness into my life. And I kind of went to the extreme and started doing an hour every morning, which was an extreme mm. for me, I should say. Um, and you know, when I I was finding it really hard to wake up at that time. For me, it, that time of the morning is too hard. I'm very much an evening person. and But I continued to push it and try and try and try. And, and actually, it ended up breaking me a little bit. I was really tired throughout the day. I wasn't finding that it was it was feeding me in the way that it should. And mm. I was so I was beating myself up so much because I felt like I'd failed at something. And we do this all the time. You know, even someone who does practice mindfulness regularly, the, the default is to go, oh, you can't do this. You failed at this. And, and, and that's never going to stop through mindfulness. But what is going to happen is you're noticing that that's happening. And I thought to myself, oh, Sophie, you're really beating yourself up about this and be curious about your responses to things. Um, and noticing them is, is, again, part of that lifelong mindfulness journey. Yeah. That's where the power lies, isn't it? Realizing mm. that that's just a thought. It's just a thought. It's and not you. Don't you. Have to run away. It's not you exactly. You mm. are not your thoughts. Yeah. So you can think, oh, that was. I'm so stupid for doing that. Oh, that's just a thought. And 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 realizing that and kind of giving that some space and detaching from it is yeah. where we can get these incredible benefits, can't we? Of feeling happier, calmer, and and more ourselves. Yeah. Um, but perhaps it's a good place then now to for me to ask you, well, what does your practice look like now? Because you've said that it's kind of, it's changed and it's adapted. So I'd really like to know as you being a mother and, and having quite a busy and varied schedule, well, what does your mindfulness practice look like now? Um, yeah, so right right now in the weeks that I'm in, it does change all the time. My mindfulness is definitely threaded through my day. So I've, I attach it to the end of my um, yoga session. So I found that attaching it to a habit that already existed really helped me because there's kind of almost no getting away from it. Um, mm. And when I finish my yoga, my brain now connects that to the mindfulness. So it's as soon as I finished, I sit up and I will do maybe it, it varies depending on if my children are get, getting up out of bed and, and disturbing me, or sometimes I'll manage 20 minutes, which would be a really lovely thing. Sometimes I manage five and they're in and they're disturbing me. So it all depends on what life is like at that particular point. So that will be like my discrete practice. Um, and if I've gone for a run, I quite often run and then at the end of my run I'll stop at a bench outside and I'll do a practice outside which is really lovely noticing the outside 
sounds um, and, and the, the hustle and bustle around me. I really, I really love that practice. Um, and in terms of threading it through the day, things like uh, sometimes when I brush my teeth, I'll notice that I'm just going through the motions. And so I really start to pay attention. Or, you know, one of the things that I love is when I hug my children, um, mm. really smelling their hair, feeling their soft skin, taking in that moment, breathing it in. It just is so special. And I think that's one of the things I remember from my first ever lesson. Um, Claire Kelly spoke to me and she said one of the things that uh, one of the people she was working with said that she couldn't remember the smell of someone's hair. I can't remember it was a loved one and that she'd never stopped to, to take it in. And I thought, oh, yeah, that's that's a lovely one. I love that. When I hug someone, I really, really stop and take that whole moment in, all the senses. So they're, they're kind of li little ways that I thread it through the day. But, I mean, it has evolved. Like I say, I've gone through periods where I've meditated for an hour in the morning. I've gone through periods, especially when I'm studying. So if I'm – when I did my mindfulness-based cognitive therapy for life course – with the Oxford Mindfulness Centre, they're introducing new practices all the time to you and you have homework to do. So that's a really nice time to experiment because there's several different mindfulness practices you can do and not all of them will suit you. But that's a time where I, my mindfulness practice really does go up because I'm trying lots of new things out. Mm. Oh, really interesting to hear the, the, the different approaches that you use. And I love the point you made about when, when you're hugging your children, that that's an opportunity to be mindfulness, to be mm. mindfulness, to be mindful. Um, and it's so true. And then this is, this is what it's all about. The, the, when that kind of light switches where you realize well, the present moment is all we have, isn't it? This is the only thing that exists right now is, mm. is the present moment. And if we can be completely there and absorbed in it, it's like, just life just becomes a bit richer, doesn't it? The colours are a bit brighter, the sounds are a bit more clear. Um, yeah. And our brain, I think, our, our thoughts and our, and our mind is a bit more clear as well. So, yeah, I really like the mm. way you the, the way you phrase that and put that. Um, and so, the the mindfulness practice that you said that you do in the mornings after yoga is that a a guided um, mindfulness practice or is it just is you um you know what does what does that look like again I've gone through different phases really um mm. as when I started with mindfulness I always had a guided practice um I mm. found it really difficult not to although in in our lessons sometimes we did try to or they taught us how to do it um without a guided uh, guided practice um but I definitely would recommend having a guided practice to begin with it's a really yeah. complicated thing um uh, I have gone through periods of time where I, 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 the one where I did an hour, I did on my own without a guided, which was really hard, really tough. Mm. Um, but that was after a couple of years of practice. Um, at the moment, I do a guided practice and I actually use the, the audio files that were sent to me with my uh, Oxford Mindfulness course, which I really like. And I think that's another thing about mindfulness. There can be a, a voices that suit us and voices that don't there are some mm. that some people will find really irritating to listen to and that's not to say that person has an irritating voice it's just different for different people so mm. it's really important that you don't just um click on something on youtube and think right mindfulness isn't for me this is really annoying because there are different voices that are going to suit you so really research that have a go at lots of different um different if you're going to use youtube or headspace have a listen to different people because there will be people that you think yeah this really suits me i like this person and you can really stick to that um, and I really love the ones that the Oxford Mindfulness Centre sent through for in, as part of our course so I use those a lot 
And actually, um, you know, any first timer out there who um, wants to start practicing mindfulness, the book that I mentioned earlier on by Mark, uh, Mark Williams and Danny Penman, it's Finding Peace in a Frantic World is a great starting point because it takes you through lots of activities and it also comes with the audio files as well. And they're really, really good. I mean, who there's no better voice than Mark Williams to take you through a guided meditation. I could listen to him for years. <laughs> oh, brilliant what a brilliant tip to share with with the listeners straight away oh, fantastic and yeah from from my perspective that's it, it's similar for me as well in that when I was first starting out um, and curious about mindful meditation I would follow guided practices through YouTube through Insight Timer which is an app that I've mentioned on this show quite a few times they've got lots of um, teachers on there and different guided meditations and you're sure to find a, a voice and music and, and all those things that, that yeah exactly because some people enjoy. don't like music do they when they yeah. meditate I mean I don't like music I find it a little bit distracting mm. but Insight Timer is great because it has so many different types yeah. of meditation on there you know it depends what mood you're in I mean even something like I, I mean I saw my sister doing she used his Peloton and they have so mm. so many mindfulness sessions on there they're oh, really? not really the ones that I enjoy but she really likes them and that's the thing I think it's about you know we can't be snobby or judgmental about these things because we want everyone to be doing it so if they choose mm. something that you don't like that's fine you know we've got to find what works for us yeah, exactly. We just want everyone to be experiencing some of these benefits that come with just being in the in the present moment and, and finding that calm for sure. Exactly. And and a, again, the fact that we can be flexible is just such an important point um, to go from guided to, to unguided and you know, a specific time of the day when you're going to sit down and do it, or perhaps it's something that you just do off the cuff because you're out in the park and think, oh, I could just sit down on the bench now and just have a few minutes where I'm just here and I'm just trying to focus on my surroundings. Mm. The, you know, for me recently, for a good couple of years, I, I wasn't using guided meditation. Once once I'd kind of got more confident with the, with the process, um, then, then I was just sitting down and I would do 10 minutes every morning. But because of kind of circumstances recently and I've been finding it a bit more difficult to, to yeah. quieten my busy mind. Um, you know, it's escaping to lots of different things at the moment. And so I've yeah. gone back to guided meditations and that's not a step back by any means. It's just, that's what I need at the moment. <laughs> Absolutely. I think it's so important that we, that we, we, we look inside and we, th and, and we do, we are flexible with ourselves because at the end of the day, we're human. Mm. We are, we are not going to stay the same. I think the one big lesson that I learned from becoming a mother is that nothing stays the same. You know, <laughs> when I had my first child and I thought, when is he going to sleep through the night? Eventually at three years when he did, he didn't sleep through the night for the rest of his time. That changes week by week. You know, life yeah. is so busy and chaotic and it changes all the time and you have to change and adapt to that. So it's really mm. important that we don't feel like we're going backwards. If we've gone from self-meditation to guided meditation, it doesn't matter. That's going to change up and down throughout your entire life. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Um, so it might be good now to talk about what well, we've mentioned um some of the, the benefits of meditation or, or mindfulness, but we haven't been very specific, I suppose. So it'd be interesting to hear from you. Well, what, what actual benefits have you um, experienced from this? Because some people might be listening and they've, they've heard about mindfulness, they've heard about some of the effects it can have, and now they're interested to try. But from speaking from someone in your position, what, what have you experienced? 
Yeah, it's interesting because when um, I kind of came across mindfulness, uh, you know, some someone who lives just down the road from me said to me, oh, my, um, my sister-in-law is running this uh, trial of this course for this company called Mindfulness in Schools Project. This is the first time I've ever mm. heard of, of this company or anything. This was in 2019. And they said, oh, do you want to, to give it a go? Because, you know, they need some people to do it. I was like, yeah, I'll try it. Um, not really knowing at all what it was. Um, and so my expectation, I didn't have any expectations of what it might do to my life. I just thought, oh, okay, I'll, you know, I'll just get involved in this thing as I tend to do. Um, <laughs> and it was interesting because I didn't notice what it was doing because I didn't really realize that there was any problem with the way I was living. I didn't, because I wasn't checking in. I, if, you know, if someone had asked me that at that time, you know, how are you? Yes, I'm fine. I'm, you know, that's it. That's as deep as I would go. And actually through this process of this eight week course, I began to delve a little bit deeper, of course, and, um, uh, and do these mindfulness practices and there was there was a moment where I realized it had had a positive effect on me. And I never forget it. And it seems like such a small moment, but I just remember it stopped me in the street. And I'd got up for work one morning and it was tipping with rain. And I'd got my umbrella out and the umbrella had broken. And I, I'm not making this up. It was just one of those mornings, you know, and I'd run for the bus and the bus driver had seen me, but decided not to stop as I held my hand out. And I I just shrugged my shoulders and just, oh, never mind. And I shocked myself at my response because before mindfulness, I was a very reactive person, very reactive. I, you know, I, I was very passionate and loud and um, not to say that there's anything wrong with being loud. I'm still very loud, but um, just very reactive. And I noticed how calm my response was. I'd chosen to respond in a way that meant it didn't affect the rest of my day. And I thought, why have I responded like that? And I realized it was because of the mindfulness. So it kind of happened without me even being aware of it. This change, this, this, this way that you can respond to situations, you are in control and you are responsible for the way that you respond to others around you. And quite often I would blame others for the way that I was feeling. That bus driver would have in my past life would have been the reason for my bad mood for the rest of the day. But actually it was my response to the bus driver that ensured that the rest of my day was fine. And taking that responsibility and, and, and putting that into all areas of your life has a profound effect on the way you are living. It's, you know, in parenting, it has changed our lives as a family. Um, and yeah, I mean, that, that change happens in an eight week course. will do it. it. You will notice a mm. difference. Absolutely. Mm. Oh, just amazingly put I, I, mm -hmm. I love it and it's something that I can that I've experienced for myself and I know that others have as well that's it isn't it and it like you said it takes some training and it might be an eight-week course or it might be a you know it might be longer for some people it might take that commitment it does take training um but like anything anything worth doing takes a bit of work doesn't it and yeah. the results will pay off and it's actually Adrian Bethune yesterday I noticed on Instagram and I noted yeah. what he was saying. I don't know if you saw it. He went for a run, but he said it was really difficult to get out. But he, he um, I wrote it down. Where did I put it? <laughs> it said, it, you, you may not like it, but you just have to do it. And that, that's kind mm. of with, with mindfulness as well. It's, it's this idea that, you know, we're not always going to feel like we want to sit down and practice or we want to do mindful teeth brushing. But it's kind mm. of like mental hygiene, isn't it? It's, it's you know, yes. it is like, as Claire Kelly said to me once, it's like brushing your teeth. You know, you need to kind of do it. And once you do it, the benefits 
that you reap are just incredible. Yeah. Well, there's a lot of parallels, aren't there, with with brushing your teeth? Like you said, it is this mental hygiene, mm. you know, literally kind of cleaning your mind. But at the same time, in in the say, also the fact that it's just a habit that we do. We don't think about, we don't think twice about brushing our teeth in the morning and at night. Um, yeah. And what if we also had that habit of of meditation at morning and at night? And it can be the same amount of time as well. Two minutes in the morning, two minutes at night. It could exactly. make a huge different a difference. But yes, it's that it's creating that space. That's from my experience. That is what I have found. And you know, you mentioned the example of of when the, when it was raining and a bus driver didn't stop. And I can remember similar points in my life where it was that same. Oh wow, um, you know, being in a in a traffic jam and instead of getting really frustrated, how dare all these people be out at the same time as me? They ruined my day. <laughs> exactly. It's like. I can't remember what song it is where he says, you're not sitting in traffic, you are traffic. Yeah. <laughs> Which I think yeah. is a good point. Um, Absolutely, but also, yeah. you know, someone someone cutting in front of you in a line, um, just just pausing and thinking, what is the most useful reaction to have here? And that's mm. not saying that we're these saints walking around and we never get angry and we never get frustrated. Oh my goodness, no. of, of course not, yeah. Um, it just means that... Um, you know, I, I don't know, just just that sense of calmness and creating a bit of space. And yes, sometimes it does warrant a reaction and we do need to be quite passionate and we do need to voice our opinion and we do need to get frustrated. But other times it can be something that, that we that we let go of. And, and Yeah, and actually, I think when you make those, I don't want to call them mistakes, but when you when you mm. don't respond in the way that you maybe wanted to with hindsight what mindfulness does is is later on where however later that is it it makes you stop and go okay I wasn't right in my response there I didn't I don't feel comfortable with how I responded and therefore you can you can address that with whether it's with another person you know quite often with my children Bedtimes can be really fraught and, and I can feel very frustrated. I'm tired. You know, I've reached, I've reached the, my limits in terms of patience and I will get cross. And mm. when I walk away from that situation, I'm able to, 20 minutes away or half an hour away from that situation, I can go, oh, I shouldn't have responded like that, that I don't feel okay about that. And then I can go and address that with my children and be really open and say, Oh, you know, mummy shouldn't have responded like that. I was feeling really frustrated and I, I, I kind of wasn't able to respond well. And I'm, you know, I apologize for that. It's interesting. I saw a, an article this morning about uh, a research study that happened uh, recently and found that um, people were left feeling less guilt when they were practicing mindfulness. And therefore, it was, um, I can't remember how they put it. If, if mindful meditation leads us to ignore that emotion, it could prevent us from righting our wrongs. And I mm. found that really strange because for me personally, it's helped me right a lot of wrongs because I'm able to realize afterwards rather than walking away from that situation thinking, well, it's their fault. It's not mine. I'm not taking responsibility. Mindfulness has enabled me to take responsibility for my actions and therefore I'm able to wrong those, uh, right those wrongs. So it was an interesting article. I'll have to send mm. you the link. It's, um, yeah, it's quite fascinating to read. Yeah, really interesting. Absolutely. Um, and it kind of reminds me of the, the other point you've made. I'm kind of losing my trail of thought now. But just this idea that, well, this that some people kind of think of, of mindfulness and meditation as this like this stripping away of the former self and you're just abandoning and you just you want to become someone else. 
and it's not that, is it? It's it's getting to know yourself, getting to know what makes you tick, and getting to know what makes you feel frustrated, and and deciding what you want to do about that. So I, I don't know. That just popped into my head as well. That it's it's not this kind of oh, I don't like the person that I am, so I'm going to try and meditate my way out of that <laughs> of this mm, body yeah. or something. It's not that. It's it's getting no, it's, it's, it's befriending us. Yeah, self discovery. It's be- befriending mm. ourselves. Yeah. Yeah, actually, my mindfulness practice, um, uh, so I'd started my mindfulness practice in January 2019, and then in October, I decided to give up alcohol. And Mm. I do think, looking back, they were very interlinked because, you know, alcohol and not being in tune, as soon as I became in tune with my body, I was able to realise the damage that alcohol was doing in, in my life to my body and my and my mental health and and actually mindfulness can inform all of these big decisions that help us to look after all of the parts of our life and make decisions that like like we said earlier things that are bringing goodness into our lives and joy and 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 working out what those are Um, and then when I gave up alcohol that was even more self-discovery because I was uncovering things about myself that I didn't know Um, so yeah it definitely does kind of start you off on that road yeah yeah I've just that pausing and thinking is is this like we've already said about is this serving me is this what I want because so often we just get swept away and and it's interesting you may mention alcohol and and that's something that I've been thinking about more and more recently in that Mm. I'm, I'm out with friends they're all drinking a beer so I'm going to drink a beer as well but actually, more often than not, a beer just doesn't leave me feeling very good. Maybe yeah. one, you know, it's okay. Enjoying with friend, with friends for me. But then I find that as the night goes on, I'm like, well, you get to the end of it and you just have that awareness. Actually, is that how I wanted to spend 20, 30 quid? Um, or actually, yeah. could I spend that a, money um, somewhere else? There's a really uh, good tip that I, I talked to Drew Yeager on the Mindfulness for Learning podcast, and he is the fa- co-founder of Club Soda. But he talk, mm. gave me a really good tip, actually, for when you go out with your friends and because he, he he's a mindful drinker. So he hasn't given up alcohol, but he yeah, he thinks about what he's drinking and, and drinks, you know, every few months or something. But he gave a really good tip that when you go out with your friends, make your first two drinks non-alcoholic, mm. um, because then at that point, your friends will be a couple of drinks in and you can make that decision as to whether you want to join them or not. And actually, quite often when you see where it's taken them, you don't want to be part of that. And it's a really nice way to to check in with yourself and think, well, is this really what I want? Because we get we get so excited about entering the pub with so much energy. It's like, yes, let's sit down and drink. But actually, yeah. if you stop and you use mindfulness in that moment, it might be that you don't want to. Yeah. If you really check in with yourself. Yeah. And how often is it? It's just associations, isn't it? Mm. Friday night, Saturday night, that must mean going to the pub for a drink. And it's not just about alcohol or, uh, and drinks. There's other no, I could talk to ex- you for hours about alcohol, but I won't. Yeah, <laughs> that's okay. Yeah, another podcast, maybe another. Yeah, podcast. exactly. Yeah, but there are so many other examples, aren't they? Of I, I, I don't know, going out into the city centre and then walking past a shop and just thinking, oh, I'm just going to go and buy something because I feel like it, and yeah. and just those, those little moments of where we're perhaps just being dragged in different directions because maybe we're just just not so as aware as we could be, and sometimes when we just pause and think what is it that I want, then then we can make, um, I don't know, uh, perhaps a more useful decision in, yeah. some, in some ways. Mm. Mm. Right. So we've talked about your kind of journey to mindfulness. We've talked about some of the, the practices and some of the benefits that people might enjoy if they give it a go. Um, are there any tips that you would offer if anyone's listening to, to this podcast or perhaps 
they've 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 also heard of mindfulness in in the press and on social media and things and they're interested what tips would you give someone to who's getting started yeah i mean i would say have an open mind going in it's it's it can be really hard when when sometimes you like we said earlier about seeing these images of people that perhaps you don't associate yourself with and you can't connect with and i think it really can help everyone so try to if you can see past that and and just have an open mind and give it a go um mm. and i would um advise anyone to sign up for the oxford mindfulness center they do free mindfulness sessions every week and they have keynote speak speakers come on uh, once a month i think it is um but they are incredible and and they and they it's really knowledge rich and it's it's a lovely way to um justify your practice in a way it's like telling you why it's good for you and sometimes that can be a really good reminder when you're when you're starting out sometimes you can lose sight of why you're doing it if if the 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 goodness isn't coming out straight away you kind of need to remind yourself um i i would say to use a guided practice first just to to help you help yourself if if it feels comfortable obviously if that's not comfortable for you that's fine and finally um don't beat yourself up that's that's the biggest thing and you, and you don't beat yourself up for beating yourself up either because that happens um so really just being kind and showing self compassion and patience with yourself is really really important when you're developing a mindfulness practice great some three really really fantastic tips to to share um thank you Brilliant, right? Well, I, I feel like we've 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 covered a whole range, and and we've we've really given mindfulness the the justice it deserves by mm-hmm. by talking about how you can approach it, um, the different practices you might want to try during your day. Like you said, whether that's a, a specific time during the day where you sit down and follow a guided meditation, or is it these little opportunities for mindfulness that we can find throughout the day? It's sitting down in a in a coffee shop, or it's at the park, or, or like you said, um, that happy habit stacking i think james clear uh, talks about doesn't he adding mindfulness to the end of something that you already to do already do whether that's yoga or a run or perhaps you add it to the end or the beginning of brushing your teeth you know these little Mm -hmm. opportunities that we can find um to incorporate it in our day so thank you that was that was that was great thank you for for sharing so much um so at the end of every every episode, I like to ask guests um, a couple of questions. Um, the first one I like to ask is your three top tips to thrive. Um, and so this could be linked to mindfulness. It could be linked to motherhood. It could be linked to teaching, whatever you want to link it to. Oh. If you've got three top tips to thrive, that would be awesome. I have so many. I'm going to have to take <laughs> it down to three. I, move is my first one. Move, move, move whether it be exercise, whether it be just standing and shaking your arms, having a stretch, whatever it is, move every day. I think it's so important. And actually, if we're stuck in a place in our mind, it shifts us out of that mood or whatever it is that we're going through. It can can change your day if you just get up and move. As a teacher, I think when you're in your classroom at the end of the day and you're marking and you're feeling tired, get up, have a walk around the school, come Mm -hmm. back, try again and refocus. Um, The other one is... um, I want to say again, sign up to the Oxford Mindfulness Centre's free meditation sessions. I don't work for Oxford Mindfulness Centre. I'm not trying to push (laughs) Oxford Mindfulness Centre, but they are incredible. I love them. Um, And the third one is to eat well. Mm. Eat well. Be mindful about what you're eating. Um, I think, like I said, mindfulness goes across 
all elements of our life. But I think if you're being mindful about what you're putting into your body, that has a profound effect on 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 how your day goes and how your how your mood is. Yeah. Yeah, um, that third tip is something that I, I like to talk about a lot, that mindful eating, even without changing what you eat, just being more mindful of what you eat could mm. could have a, a massive effect, couldn't it? Just from the fact that you are pausing and considering the food that you're about to eat, because so often, as we've already talked about, when we're rushing around and and, and things and just kind of going with the flow, we, we sit down to a dinner and we just wolf it down as quickly as possible in front of Netflix. And that's not judging at all anyone that eats in front of Netflix, because I do that all the time. We all love but, that every now and then. Especially exactly. if it's a deliveroo. Exactly, exactly. Well, it's Friday today, so yeah, that might be well beyond the cards. Yeah. <laughs> but My it's kids just actually like- mindful eating mindful eating is great for kids because yeah. actually if my daughter if she doesn't want to eat what's on her plate mindful eating is a way to get her to try foods because I say to her do you want to try mindful eating and see if you can guess what's on your plate or see if you can like it and she closes she's always up for it even if ah. she's seen what's on her plate and she doesn't like it she just likes the game so she closes her eyes and I put it in she really takes her time and she'll try foods that she's never tried before that way so yeah try it with your kids at home it's great Oh, what a great one. Yeah, because that's what we want, isn't it? We want our children to be eating uh, this huge variety of foods and trying them when they're young so that they can you know, it, mm. get their taste buds exposed to so many different foods and, and then be more be more kind of in, in tune and sensitive and, and enjoy these really sweet fruits and sweet vegetables that taste delicious. But it's just hard to, to compete with crisps and chocolate and those kind of <laughs> things, isn't it? <laughs> but yes, no, it's, it's, very it's, hard. it's really it's really powerful. And Another great tip is, as part of mindful eating, is to be is to put your knife and fork down between every mouthful. Mm. Just that simple act that could mean that you just eat slightly less, and you notice when you're full and and can save the rest for for you know the next day. Um, it's yeah. not always the case, but it but it might work for some people. So brilliant! Thank you for sharing your your three top tips to thrive. Love them. Okay. And the other question I like to ask is, what is that one lesson that you wish you would have been taught when you were younger? Um, yeah, I thought a lot about this one, uh, <laughs> that we all learn in different ways. I wish I'd known that when I was younger. Um, it was kind of why I became a teacher. Um, the education system, I didn't fit into the education system. And so very, very quickly, I felt like a failure and gave up, had no self-belief. And it was only when I trained to be a teacher which I had to retake some GCSEs to become a teacher because I had I had given up so young. Um, but when I trained to become, become a teacher, I remember the moment I, they put on Ken Robinson's uh, talk on Ted, Do, skills, Do Schools uh, Kill Creativity? Mm. Um, and it was a light bulb moment. And I realized that I wasn't a failure, that actually I'd been failed by the system. And that actually I just learned in a way that they didn't cater for in our education system as it stands. And I vowed never to be that teacher. I will always uh, celebrate individuals and and try as best as all of us teachers do to differentiate so that, and be an inclusive teacher. Um, and so I wish I'd known that when I was younger. Yeah, really important reminder. And it might, um, yeah, if you haven't watched that TED Talk, I think it might be one of the most viewed TED Talks ever, isn't it? it? it I believe. Yeah. yeah. And actually, the uh, Kate Kate Robinson, who is his daughter, is running a festival this week. Um, ah. I think you can still sign up for it. It's um, it's really wonderful. They've just launched his book. She finished it for him because obviously, sadly, he died in August. Yeah, he died, didn't he? Yeah. Um, yeah. But yeah, she's finished the book for him. So yeah, that's, um, I haven't read it yet, but I'm really excited about doing so. Oh, wow. 
brilliant thank you for sharing that as well okay well we can we can start to round off the conversation um so it's the, the one final thing we need to know is well how can people connect with you how can they get in touch how can they find more out more about your your projects as well in schools yeah and, please and do get in touch community. with us you you yeah. can find us on mindfulnessforlearning.com um, where we have so much to offer you. Um, we've got parents' uh, online sessions about everything to do with wellbeing. So we've got online safety sessions and family food and eating. We've got mindfulness. We have kids clubs and yoga clubs available. If you're lucky enough to be local, you can sign up to those. Um, and we've got lots of free resources as well. So we've got a, a whole page dedicated to play, which is for primary age children, any age. And you've got lots of free play ideas and book ideas, uh, all focused on well-being for adults and children. But other than that, if you have anything you need in terms of, the, of well-being for your family or if you're working in a school, which we also offer school workshops, uh, please do get in touch with us. Um, you can email me at sophie at mindfulnessforlearning.com. And you can also find us on Instagram and Twitter on at mforlearning. Brilliant. Thank you so much for sharing. Listeners, yeah, do get in touch with Sophie and, and see all those fantastic resources they offer and perhaps even get you into the school as well. Yeah, I'd love to come and visit you. <laughs> fantastic. Right. Well, thank you so much for your time this morning. Um, and yeah, I can't wait to to carry on following your journey with Mindfulness for Learning and stay in touch. Thank you so much, Sam. A huge thank you again to Sophie for joining me on the podcast today. I hope that you enjoyed that conversation. It was really great to hear from Sophie about her journey to um, discovering mindfulness, um, what her practice looks like, the the great tips that, that she offered around how to get started and also the really important points that she made about being flexible and being adaptable with your mindfulness practice. How day-to-day, week-to-week, it might look very different and that's okay. Don't beat yourself up, just do what you can. Explore different approaches and find what works for you. Like I always say, if you enjoyed the episode, please, please do share it with friends, family and colleagues. If you post on Twitter, Instagram, make sure to tag me at teachstrong underscore and tag Sophie as well. I'm sure she'd love to hear from you. Also, wherever you listen to the podcast, if you could hit like and if you could hit follow the show, that would be a fantastic way to support this podcast and mean that I can continue to spread the word, um, offering these simple, sustainable tips to educators everywhere to help them on their journey to health and happiness. Thank you for tuning in and I can't wait to bring you another episode of the show soon.